What's up, NBA fans? We are continuing our NBA season previews as we head into the start of the season in October. Still a few weeks away, but we're kicking this episode off with the Northwest Division previews, previewing the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, Blazers, and the Thunder. We have a few risers and a few abandoning the race for a championship, notably the Utah Jazz, letting go of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert during this offseason. We have a few risers in the Timberwolves, the Nuggets getting healthier, the Blazers staying put, and question marks with really where the Thunder are going to be. We'll break all that down and more, as well as we'll talk a little Euro basketball. There are some, there have been some crazy outcomes out of this, one of notably Dennis Schroeder reviving his NBA career, getting himself a spot just this morning with the Lakers. Uh, all that and more. But uh, so far, Sean, do you have any thoughts around Euro basketball, the Northwest Division, before we dive into all this? I gotta say, Alan, I, I do. I'm a big fan of, that Euro, of Euro basketball becoming more popular, a little more mainstream, a little more competitive. But I myself have not partaken in any Euro basket tournament watching on my own account. And I can't say that I've really felt inclined to yet. You know, there's still, it's still a thing where, I, I, you know, the NBA is still obviously the pinnacle product, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe you get a couple NBA players at best when you're watching these Eurobasket games. And, you know, I, I love basketball as next, much as the next person, but like, I don't even watch college basketball. Because I know that they're not as good as the as the NBA players, and so I just haven't been able to to get into it. I don't know. I, yeah, I feel bad about it a little bit, but that's just that's just how I feel. Yeah, I've been I've tried to deep dive into the semifinals that happened this morning with Germany, France, uh, Poland. I believe was in that semifinal, yeah. as well, and uh, it was on ESPN Plus. Had to get up a little earlier than I needed to, than I really wanted to. Making excuses here, I know, first world problems, but <laughs> I just didn't do it. But I did see the box scores, and Rudy Gobert had himself quite the game. Uh, Schroeder, as well, had himself a good game. And Spain seems like a solid team getting themselves into the final, despite their two big hitters being, I guess, maybe slightly average, b- below average NBA players in Willie Hernan yeah. Gomez and Hancho Hernan Gomez. And an older Rudy Fernandez, who I think played for a little bit in the NBA, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So they're going up against a behemoth in France with Gobert, Maladon, Wagner, Fournier, and uh, Cabarrot. Um, yeah, see, that's the thing. Is like, yeah, those are all NBA players, but that makes them a powerhouse <laughs> just because you have a guy like Timothy Cabarro on your team and Evan Fournier, who's like, perennially seen as like the worst one of the worst players in the league minute minute by minute wise like if these are your heavy hitters man like i i don't want to watch new york knicks basketball i don't want to watch the france national team that's just how i feel about it yeah that's a that's a good point that would be a pretty fun matchup though the new york knicks versus the french (laughs) the, the french national team yeah, just be I, I, Evan. It'd be Evan Fournier versus Evan Fournier, just chucking up bricks. <laughs> well, I will say though, Rudy Gobert means worth something. He's a yes. good, 
good big man down the down there. Especially, I think in the Euro basketball format, he definitely thrives a bit better than maybe the in the NBA and the NBA yeah. world. Yeah, um, that seemed like he's had. A, I remember last Euro basketball tournament, he he was like the sharpshooter man, like he was lighting it up. Yeah, exactly. Um, but let's jump into it. Let's jump into NBA stuff uh, before we jump into the Northwest Division previews. First, first point we have here is a framework being created for an in-season tournament that could start as soon as the 2023-24 season. I mean, this has been teased around for years, uh, and nothing official has come down, but it's sort more information has sort of been talked about here. Jeannie Buss seems to be a, fi- a fan of it. Uh, Adam Silver has spoken about really wanting to push something like this through, and we got ourselves a bit more information, more than we ever have. Uh, cup games essentially taking place in November, eight teams advancing to a single elimination tournament in December, when all these games would be part of the NBA regular season, so part of the 82 games. So in a way of revamping the season, giving something for teams uh, to play for, although the prize of this tournament specifically hasn't been finalized yet, but uh, there's still discussions about that. So we'll see what it really means. And whether teams would actually be incentivized to it. Uh, will people actually tune in any more than they're already tuning in? So many questions still to be answered here. So the details aren't yet rounded out. But there's enough here, I guess, that we can react to it. Uh, Sean, what do you what do you think so far? Well, that the thing you mentioned, the reward for winning has not been determined yet. At least from what we've seen. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest thing. Because that drives exactly how competitive any sort of in-game tournament would be. And that's always been the issue that I've had with this. Like, what are you going to give them? You know, like, Mm -hmm. LeBron James doesn't give a crap about a million dollars. Like, that's been flooded out there before. LeBron James doesn't care if a team gets, like, an extra second-round draft pick. You know? (laughs) Like, a lot of guys wouldn't care because, like, you know, for some guys, it's like, hey, this is my contract year. Why am I fighting so hard for this team to get an extra draft pick that I won't even benefit from? Like, I won't even get or, to play with that person. Or could take my roster spot. Or could take my <laughs> roster spot. Exactly. Take my playing time. Take my chances at a contract extension. Like, yeah, I just don't know what you give as a reward. Like, I, mm-hmm. I nothing seems to really make sense unless it's like you were able to hype up enough some like, you know, like championship rings or like championship trophy that you get from this thing. Like, I feel like that's the only thing you could really give to these guys. Yeah, there's that. But I also think like the only thing to me that seems to make sense, if it's somehow tied back to the final playoff seating or somehow ties back to that, like whether you, if you win this tournament, do you buy a round? Do you just get, you skip the first round? Oh, you end up man, being that in a would higher be seed. No, there's no way. No, you cannot do that. Well, like you're not even guaranteed to make the playoffs mm-hmm. if you win this thing, right? Like we've seen plenty of teams collapse after like having a good start to the year. So Yeah, I mean yeah. I mean if we're talking about player benefit, that's the only way I can see it where players will actually care is that if it has a future benefit to you more so in the in the phase that, mo- that most people actually care, which is the actual playoffs, uh, like it's just got to somehow tie back to that. I just can't see it. Yeah, but it just can only tie back in to there. that if you like guarantee that that team that makes 
or that wins the final like is guaranteed a playoff spot and you can't do that like that that would be way too good of a prize i think and they just like and then like you could just tank the rest of your games right mm-hmm. just be like oh yeah we're making the playoffs like why should i even bother yeah so then essentially if you were to do that you would now have two things that sort of muddy the the end of season playoff seating you'd have the play-in tournament and then you'd also have this <laughs> yeah which all of that, a sudden it yeah. means like what are we looking at uh five spots in the playoffs that are actually played for and then the uh, those yeah. three are sort of up in the air because you yeah. still have to play for those three spots i think ultimately the only thing that's going to work is you're going to have to have a bomb ass trophy like some sweet <laughs> rings and like maybe a cash prize just because there's literally nothing else you can give these guys. Like everyone can get a cash prize, sure. But like it's going to ultimately come down to like how much pride do players actually put into this versus the actual NBA playoffs. It's, it's yeah, I, I think it's such a tricky thing. I wish yeah. they'd just focus on expanding to Seattle and Las Vegas instead of this in-game tournament, honestly. Like if we're going to get a big shift in the NBA – I want to see the expansion happen. I I am so excited to do a future episode with you where we like <laughs> break down what the expansion teams would take from all the other teams. Like I think that would be yeah. amazing. Um but yeah, I just I don't know. This doesn't even excite me as a fan, really. Like I'm not I'm not that stoked about it. I I I thought I would be more stoked about it. Then I really am not that more details came on because now I'm thinking a lot more about it and I'm also not that excited about I'm but I am intrigued by like where this is going because this feels like this feels like a complicated problem to solve. <laughs> and I feel like the NBA like the easy way to think about it is that you just slide this in there and try to f- and just say this is a this is an effort to make it more exciting. But I just don't feel like it's yeah. that easy. And it's, it's not that not. simple. And I don't think making flashy commercials and giving it a fancy name <laughs> is going to figure this out for you. I think if, if you just do that, then what we're going to end up with, I feel like, is we're just going to end up with like two to three weeks in the NBA season where teams play a basically pre, their preseason roster for, <laughs> for this tournament. Like, I just don't well, see... They'll like, still play their normal guys. These still count as regular season games. I guess, yeah, it still counts towards your regular season wins. I guess so, but I don't, I just don't like, I, it's got, to me, from my perspective, I feel like it has to tie somehow back to the NBA playoffs if this is going to matter and work somehow. But it can't, it, you can't guarantee someone a playoff spot just for winning this December tournament. Like, that's that's way too much. Yeah, you were just going to have to totally change the way we look at I look at things. It'll be like a fundamental change. That's why I, yeah. it's just not going to be an easy easy rollout. Like it's going to have to be rolled this is going to have to be rolled out in a very thoughtful way. If it's not then there's it's only going to last like a year or two before yeah. people are like this is a dumb idea. This is also going to throw a wrench in fantasy basketball too. Mm-hmm. That one extra game, man. <laughs> that's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the COVID games really threw it off. Yeah, with with some teams playing five and others playing two or three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is just you know those two teams that make the one extra game. That's an advantage. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. I I guess yeah. I mean, there's not much else to chat through other than what we can speculate would be the prize here. I think, 
yeah, overall, we're just not that hyped for it yet. No. Yeah. We need more. We need to fi- we, we did need, need to really figure this out a little bit more. I mean, Jeannie Bus is one of the owners that was pretty candid in an interview that she did this week and she was asked about it and she was pretty candid that she was a she was a fan of the idea of it. Um but she also didn't reveal any more details of what like this would look like, but obviously this is compared a lot to to soccer where there's year-round tournaments that occur. But that's the thing with soccer too, is that there's certain cups where you get the big clubs to show up, but they don't show up with their best players. No, um, yeah. <laughs> so there's always that too. Um, whether the NBA is going to be okay with tele with and networks are going to be okay televising games that just don't even have the best players show up. I mean, that already happens though. Like any back-to-back games, like even with mm-hmm. yeah, I can use my my Clippers as an example. We're not going to see Kawhi Leonard play one back to back this year. That's a fact. Yeah, and that already annoys Adam Silver, right? And the network. Like, this isn't going to change that at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Um, the other big thing here we go is uh, Robert Sarver. <laughs> the NBA has officially suspended the Suns owner Robert Sarver for one year and fined him ten million dollars for investigation into previous racist and sexist comments directed towards various personnel over the years. Um, I've never been a fan of Robert Sarver ever since I started watching basketball back in 2005, 2006. Lakers had an awful season, but there was another team out West that was doing really well and had a really good Canadian player that I really enjoyed watching. (laughs) And Steve Nash, and he had himself a pair of dudes that were ready to take on the league, Joe Johnson, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire, and this team, they let what could have been a very special, maybe little mini dynasty in the mid-2000s just sort of vanish away because Robert Sarver was too cheap of an owner to bring back Joe Johnson and really give Steve Nash the pieces he needed to put that team together. But that was just only the basketball piece of it. Um, This personnel stuff, just the way the Phoenix Suns organization has been functioning, it's just awful stuff to hear about, and I, I, I've always suspected this, and it's surprising that it took this long to come out. Uh, I mean, the the city of Phoenix released a statement as well. Not a huge fan of this guy, uh, Suns minority, a minority owner of the Suns, vice chairman, uh, also who owns the second largest stake in the team, th- around roughly around thirty five percent. Also called for Sarver to resign. There aren't a lot of allies for this man right now. Nope. And uh, it almost feels like a slap in the wrist right here for a one year and a $10 million fine. And there's also one other thing to note about Robert Sarver and all this is the NBA has their official statement that has had the, the latest stories written about it. But the full report isn't released. Uh, mm-hmm. They did hire an, uh, an independent law firm to build this report, but the law firm did it independently, but the final report was vetted through by the NBA. So we still don't actually know (laughs) the full context of the full report. Maybe we will never know, or maybe in some book or through the release of rumors and leaks, we'll one day piece it all together. But that's all to say that there is so much more to this guy than just the racist and sexist comments. And, um, that's all I got to say about it that like (laughs) 
I, I'm glad it, it finally bubbled up, though. Yeah, it's very disappointing. I think everyone's very disappointed about this. And Adam Silver, I've always been a fan of Adam Silver. Like, he's always seemed, like, very progressive. He wants to bring the league forward. He wants to get the WNBA to become, like, you know, a bigger product supporting them and this is basically spitting back in our faces with him saying like oh yeah this guy only gets suspended for one year for Mm -hmm. all the crap that he's done over over decades and it's just really sad to see that because someone is super wealthy and they have a lot of power that they get to get off easy you know like, mm-hmm. just because this guy's rich, he doesn't get penalized as much as someone else would in the same situation. You know, if I if I did the same things that this guy did at my work, I'd be fired on the spot. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's just not OK. And it's it just goes to show that, you know, the, the, the system is not working as it should. The justice is not being had here like this one year like who cares like that means literally nothing like for this franchise to actually move forward they need to get rid of this guy completely just send him off we never want to hear from him again he can go to his private island just you know suck off whatever like just go away and do not bother us anymore like (laughs) yeah yeah, and it's stories like Robert Sarver that kind of make me wish that the NBA would adopt the deregulation or regulation model that uh, Premier League has, where if a team doesn't perform well enough, they get regulated back to Division Two, and they yeah. lose access to national the big national TV contracts and the big national revenue pot that gets shared among the big clubs. But the NBA doesn't have a system like that. And instead, you have a franchise with an owner like Robert Sarber, who does the bare minimum for his team and, yeah. you know, has had Phoenix taxpayer money uh, open up their pockets to do things like fund renovations in the stadium, uh, build brand new practice facilities, even though he sits on billions of dollars of net worth. But, you know, the city of Phoenix loves their team. Uh, and as they should, they've, they've been lucky enough to have great players land at their laps, like Charles yeah. Barkley in the 90s, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, uh, Chris Paul, Chris Devin Paul. Booker, yep. just to name a few. And I mean, I'm stunned that he actually opened his wallet up to bring back DeAndre Aiden, but that was without drama in of itself. Yeah, yeah not without <laughs> like waiting till painfully the last minute. Yeah, we got that offer sheet from the Pacers, and yeah, good Ex- good for this vice chairman guy, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, John Najafi, like, yep. good for him to step up and be the voice and be like, this dude needs to resign. You know, and maybe maybe this Najafi guy is also a huge scumbag, but at least we don't know about it, right? <laughs> like, yeah, we need to just we need to get rid of Sarver. It's good to hear that coming from the top of the of like at least the Suns ownership that also has stake big stake in in the in the team in the company yeah it'll just be a huge sigh of relief for everyone if sarver just steps away from it all and we never have to Mm -hmm. hear from him again and then we move on to the knicks (laughs) 
yeah, we just got to figure out how to get some of these bad owners. I think the, well, I've always have had this thought over the last few years is like the biggest, um, real competitive disadvantage a player can have isn't so much the market they land into it's the owner they land in the hands of yeah and uh robert server robert server i think there's a reason they haven't brought a championship to phoenix and i think part of it is starts with him his bad ownership style his unwillingness to really uh spend to keep his get his team to the next level and just the culture that starts with him uh so paypal the big company, the big company sponsor for the Phoenix Suns, has said they will pull that out of their three million dollar sponsorship deal if he does not resign. Um, like I said, the city of Phoenix has also released a statement, so we'll see what occurs over the next year. But it's just unfortunate that maybe the NBA feels Adam Silver feels like he can't go down harder on Robert Sarver and force him to sell the team, or maybe something else is in the works, or a little more public pressure is needed. I don't know, but I think everybody agrees that one year just doesn't feel like enough. Yeah, it's nothing. What's one year going to do? You know, this guy's not going to change in one year. He's mm-hmm. never going to change, you know? Like, if he's never going to change, then you can never let him back in the NBA. That's just what it should boil down to. And, like, yeah, I was, I was whenever I hear about Robert Star, I think about this uh, story I heard Raja Bell tell on um, the Ringer NBA podcast. Um, he does a podcast on there every week and, and he's told this story multiple times where, uh, he was up for a contract extension and so he had a dinner with, with Robert Sarver, um, to talk about it. And he like, you know, laid down all like, you know, like I'm one of the best defenders in the league. I, I love playing here. I feel like, you know, I contribute a lot to this team contending and I think I deserve a contract extension. And Sarver literally said, yeah, I think you're right, but I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> and do you know why he's like no and sarver just leans and he's like because i don't have to <laughs> so this guy's just a huge ass for just no reason except for he just needs to like prop himself up and make himself feel powerful which yeah. just shows like just the lowest of the low man like he just he's just doing it just to prove superiority over other people it's pathetic yeah and the frustrating thing it's like he's an owner who bought this team for essentially what is now relative pennies to what the Phoenix Suns are probably yeah. worth Yeah, back back when he purchased this team. And it's not really off the back of him. It's off the back of the, the last 20 years of NBA basketball, 25 years of NBA basketball that has really just risen the value of the sport and the popularity of the sport. And Robert Sarver has done very little to contribute to that. But yeah, he'll he's going to reap some of the benefits. Yeah, uh, which is frustrating to think about, but it is frustrating. <laughs> but at least he'll be out of sight, out of mind. You know, that's the best yeah. we can hope for. Exactly. Um, well, yeah. On shifting gears, there. On another uh, note, I guess in terms of value, Dennis Schroeder <laughs> signs a one-year minimum deal with the LA Lakers after being a free agent for most of this summer in. There was big question marks of like whether he was going to find a home in the NBA and what that deal was ultimately going to look like. He didn't get quite the big payday, but he puts himself back on a, a roster that I think he enjoys. I I mean, I hope he enjoys it there. Back with the Lakers yeah. after averaging 20.7 <laughs> assists and two rebounds in Euro basketball, being basically one of the premier scorers in the entire tournament so far. Um he fills yeah. a void for the Lakers in that he's he's another 
uh, scoring point guard. He is a dog on defense, <laughs> but I he's mean, he's not that good of a defender. Yeah, he's okay. <laughs> he's he is another six foot three guard. You are yeah. the Lakers have already traded for a, for a six three guard in Patrick Beverly, and they have another guy in Russell Westbrook. So there are question marks in where he fits in that rotation, but they do bring a quality player that I don't think they were going to find anywhere else without really swinging for the fences in the trade market. Like it was unlikely though. I think they'd find anything better than Schroeder at this point. Yeah. Uh, So I like this trade. And the reason being is that it puts Dennis Schroeder into the role that he's most, he's been most successful with in the NBA. And that's as the sixth man, like, Mm -hmm. Coming off the bench behind Westbrook and Patrick Beverly, just being that first guy off the bench, that was the role he thrived in in OKC. You know, behind Chris Paul and Shea, he was great as the sixth man. And that's what got him that contract with the Lakers in the first place and why they wanted to pay him four years, $84 million at the start. Obviously, he turned that down and he'll regret it for the rest of his life. But... (laughs) Now you put him in the role that he's most comfortable in and that he can give you the most production from. I think that's pretty good. You can't ask for much more. Yeah. And I was listening to a Lakers podcast earlier today and they were essentially breaking down the Lakers roster for for the aspirations that they have overall doesn't look great. Um, <laughs> they have, obviously they have LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah. But then the rest of the roster, there are serious question marks whether any of those guys are solidified starters in the NBA. Like, if you swapped oh, yeah. them onto any roster, would they be a starter? Westbrook would a lot. be. Westbrook, would yeah. Yeah. But everybody else, it's like, maybe. Maybe. But there's, but there's some guys that you can confidently say would probably not even be in the rotation. Austin yes. Reeves. And Austin Reeves yeah. of the world. Yeah, Austin uh, Reeves is no Alex Caruso. Yeah, who else? Uh, Lonnie Walker, Lonnie one of their Walker. new signings. Lonnie Walker like might a... lose some. If he was on the Warriors or the Celtics, you yeah. probably wouldn't be in the rotation. Yeah. Troy Brown. <laughs> Troy Brown. Damian <laughs> Jones. Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant is oh, okay. Thomas Bryant, yeah. He's a rotation player for sure. Yeah. But so by bringing on Dennis Schroeder, you at least bring on another guy who, you know, you can feel good. Dennis Schroeder can can start in this league or at yeah. least be the sixth man. He can be yeah, so, sixth man for sure. So you bring on a quality guy, which is just something that the Lakers just don't have, even though he may seem like a bit redundant relative to Beverly and uh, Westbrook. So I like it and I'm not surprised. And um Let's see if the second round goes a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think this will work out pretty well. Um mm-hmm. I don't I don't think he overlapped with Russell Westbrook at all at OKC. No. Did they? No. I don't think so. Yeah, he was already gone. Yeah, I don't think they did, but yeah, that'll be an interesting dynamic for sure between all those six three point guards, like you said. Yep. So, last piece of news, Steph Curry gets a $1 billion lifetime deal with Under Armour. Oof. No surprise, I think. This is no the LeBron, LeBron second, style yeah, deal. Yeah, second guy think... to ever get that $1 billion deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. good for him. There's... 
I mean, who else was he going to go with at this point? He <laughs> did have some some bad spots with Under Armour a few few years ago um, during the election season, but relationships look good, and he's back there for a billion dollars. Um, I still have yet to ever try a pair of Steph Curry's on the basketball court, or just yeah, in general. No, so, I, yeah, I stick with Kobe's personally, but. I mean, what what else was Under Armour going to do? Like, you have to ink him to this, you know? You got to be like, mm-hmm. we will match what LeBron got with Nike because if we don't have you, we have nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Steph Curry is the man. Um, yeah, sir. Let's jump, let's jump into the Northwest Division previews here. Uh, let's, get, let's just get it going. Uh first team we got to start with we usually start with the top teams in these in these previews but was the top team last year (laughs) yeah for a long time the utah jazz were the top team and i will say this about them like as as odd as this offseason has been i'll have faith in the jazz that they're going to get come back at some point this this franchise has surprised me quite a bit being salt lake city a small market and yes they've never they haven't won a championship, but they're usually there and uh, yeah. through different iterations. So this is they a bad spot. Quickly. Yeah, but if the, there's a team that I have faith on, it's this franchise to to rebuild themselves soon. But the additions this year, offseason, is Colin Sexton, Laurie Markin, and Ochoa Abiji, Talon Horton Tucker, Stanley Johnson, Malik <laughs> Beasley, who are all these names? These are all the guys they got in the trades. <laughs> Balmero, Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler, and of course the new head coach Will Hardy. And departures are Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal, and of course Quinn Snyder. No drafts, no re-signings. And as of today, the projected starting lineup is Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, Bojan Bodanovic, Laurie Markkinen, and Walker Kessler. And uh, you guys, you still got Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, but... <laughs> I mean, Mike Conley and Bojan Bogdanovic could very well be on their way out anytime soon. Yeah, here. I feel like Jordan Clarkson, you could also add to that list also. I mean, by the time the trade deadline comes around, I have a feeling all of Conley, Bogdanovich, and, and Clarkson will be gone. Like, there's no reason for these guys to still be on this team. And they're all pieces that can help a playoff team, too. Mm-hmm. Like, Conley, Conley can still ball. I mean, he just can't stay healthy. But if you put him in a in a role with less minutes, I feel like he could definitely contribute like a Ricky Rubio style in Cleveland. And obviously Clarkson can can light it up any night still. Yeah. And they all have pretty tradable contracts. Um Yeah. I mean, the salaries are a bit high for the year, but they're all an expiring deal, so Mhm. Yeah, low well, commitment. For, yeah, Will Conley still's got this year and next year, but it's I'd, I'd say it's something you you could get by with that if you were willing to trade something for yeah. it. Yeah, oh. like I could see the Jazz trading with like Dallas and being like, "Look, I don't know what you guys thought you were doing getting Davis Pertanz's <laughs> ridiculous contract, and you still have to deal with him for like three more years. We will happily take that contract along with a first round pick, and we'll give you an actual good player like Jordan Clarkson or Boyan Bogdanovich." Mm-hmm. like that's one where i could easily see that happening or at least something similar to that where they they take on a terrible contract with a draft pick and give give one of these guys that can actually like help contribute to another team 
I wonder if the Miami Heat will also come knocking and try to trade the Duncan Robinson. Contract. Oh, yeah, that that could actually be great because you you know Max Struess has already taken that job, <laughs> which is just crazy yeah. to say. Yeah, but yeah, Gabe no, Vincent like I could well. see them really wanting Clarkson or Bogdanovich. Like, Conley's an interesting one because uh, it's hard for me to know like where exactly he'd fit on a different mm-hmm. team. I haven't looked into it too much, but like someone that needs a backup point guard, maybe. I think I feel like that he's at that point of his career, in his career, unfortunately, where he's just not starting point guard material still. I like him in Dallas. I like the idea of Mike coming off the yeah. bench in Dallas. I yeah, don't know if they, you want I mean, that. They lost Brunson, so that that could be a good fit. It's a very expensive <laughs> off the bench point guard, though. Twenty million. Oh yeah, that's something we forgot to mention. They just signed um, Maxi Kleber to a contract extension. So they just mm. continue to like give these guys like middling contracts to just keep their team as terrible as possible around Luca. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it, it's just nothing exciting. It's the Luca effect. I feel like there's this effect where like you are such a great player that your team isn't that good, but you make them look better. And then right. the bad thing is then they get committed to these players on bigger contracts and then it makes it even harder to make that team better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I don't think crazy. Maxi Kleber is actually that good of a player. Like I he's feel like not. if you swap he's them really on not tour- good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He should he doesn't need that extension, but right. he looks good because he's playing next to Luca. Right. Now we're talking a lot about the Mavs now, but yeah, I think so with all of these additions. There, there. I think there's really one, maybe two of these players that they acquired in all of these trades for Mitchell and Gobert that I think have a chance of sticking around and being mm-hmm. like build around guys. And the obvious one of those is Colin Sexton, and he's yeah. like the. I think he's the big X factor in all of this because the dude was balling pretty well before he got injured at the, at the start of last season. He was, he was averaging over 20 points a game. He was playing really good basketball. And I've always been a huge fan of Colin Sexton ever since they drafted him. He, he always seems like he's had the drive, uh, the passion for the game, the ability, the athleticism, and he's still very young. Right. And so can he be the Donovan Mitchell replacement without them having to rely on the draft picks to get there. I think he has the potential to be that in a couple of years. I think he could be that, you know, microwave score 25 points a game type of guy. I think that could happen very in a lot of different scenarios. And so for, for Colin Sexton, I think this is going to be a big showing up year for him. Like if he can come back healthy off this injury, obviously too, I mean, he hasn't played basketball in a while, but he could really become an all-star caliber player here. He's going to get all the opportunity in the world. He's going to be able to jack up all the shots he wants. Yeah, it's it's so tough to compare a young one young scorer to a Donovan Mitchell because whenever I think about Donovan Mitchell, I just immediately think about that, just how unreal he played in the bubble. And <laughs> that, and that against yeah. Uh, you know, against the Nuggets. Yeah, the oh, so yeah. But he never really came close to that. So when I try to think about Colin Sexton versus Dominic Mitchell, I'm like, there's no way that that that's a fair comparison. But then yeah. I look at, but then I no don't think about that the bubble playoffs, and I think more about how he's played recently. And looking at the numbers, 22 year and third season in the league, 
Colin Sexton before his injury was a 24 points a game, 50% shooter, 37% from three, just, just a driving, just a hot, just a microwave on the scoring on the scoreboard. Yeah. And Donovan Mitchell, third year in the league, also was a 24 point scorer, 36% from three, 45% from the field. Very similar numbers. Uh, playing styles, I mean, maybe a slightly a little bit different. Maybe Donovan Mitchell's like the better ball handler slightly. But both both just 6-1, Donovan Mitchell around 6-1 as well. So both a little undersized, just scoring guards that could just drive the ball and get to where they need to and pretty efficient scores. So I think there is some merit in that in that argument that you made, Sean, that could Colin Sexton be someone that the Jazz rebuild around, sort of like guys who swaps in for Donovan Mitchell and then they just hit restart and build this team a little differently than the way they decided to build around Mitchell. It's possible. Um, so I think there is just a lot of questions of like how Colin Sexton will react to, to his injury. Um, there is one other guy though, that I wouldn't be mentioning his name, but just like Dennis Schroeder, <laughs> Euro basketball uh, has warranted the mentioning of his name. Okay. And, that, and that's Laurie Markinen. Yep. We, we just can't glaze over this. <laughs> Euro basketball Lauren Markinen is averaging 28 points a game, eight <laughs> rebounds, shooting 54% and 40% oh from the three-point line. Granted, the three-point line is a lot closer in Euro basketball than it is at the NBA level. I mean, but for a guy who really looked like, you know, much hope was lost, mm-hmm. looks like there's a chance there may still be something left there in the tank, reminiscent of his second year in the league where he averaged 18, almost 19 points a game, uh, nine rebounds, and was shooting 36% plus from the three-point line. Maybe there's a little something of that in Laurie Markkinen, and he, maybe he could be on his way to developing into maybe not a star, but an above-average uh, starter in the league for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that you make a lot of good points, and... This team is going to be very similar to that Bulls team that he was drafted to. You know, mm-hmm. it's not going to be very good, and he's going to get to be one of the primary scorers. So, for him to get up to like 18, 19 points a game, I do not think is that far fetched to say. Yeah. Can you see Laurie Markinen reviving and hanging around the NBA a few more years now as a oh, result definitely. of this? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's going to stay on the Jazz. Like, they're not going to move his contract <laughs> or anything. Like, I don't think anyone's clamoring to get Laurie Markkinen on their team. So he's going to get all the opportunities too because – and you look up and down the roster, he, he's going to end up being the second best player on the team. <laughs> you know? Like it's kind of insane. Like I I yeah. almost wonder – like I feel bad for some of these guys like uh, like Taylor Horton Tucker, right? Like he ne- it didn't really work out the Lakers. And so he gets traded to this jazz team where it's like, oh, okay, maybe he can actually get some playing time and prove if he's worth anything in the league. But he's still behind so many guys, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just like, I don't even know if he's going to get any more minutes than he did on the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah, and they sent also, I mean, Stanley Johnson was taking some of his minutes on the Lakers. Right, yeah. He was paired up. He's here. (laughs) Jordan Clarkson's still here. I mean, that's essentially the same. Malik Beasley, he'll take a lot of minutes from him too. Mm Mm-hmm. There's too many guys. Yeah. Too many average players. <laughs> just yeah, it's just a composite of, of average guys and then a question mark and Colin Sexton and then 
Euro basketball star Laurie Markkinen. <laughs> Euro um, basketball star. <laughs> trending? Yeah, this is down. This <laughs> could very well be the second, third worst team in the league next year, I think. I mean, oh, the Rockets are probably going to be bad. the first worst team in the league, I think. <laughs> yeah. We're, you think this is good? We're looking at the worst team in the league, potentially? Dude, it's close between them and the Spurs. It's <laughs> the very Spurs are going to be pretty bad. The Spur- yeah, it's like Colin Sexton is better than anyone on the Spurs, but I feel like the rest of the Spurs are slightly better than the Jazz. So it's going to be pretty awful on both sides, no matter what. But <laughs> Yeah. The first Jazz versus Spurs game is going to be hilarious. Both teams are going to like not score anything. It's going to be like 80 to 75. <laughs> yep, I think so. Storyline to follow. The Utah Jazz right now are the clearance rack of the NBA. <laughs> you, you show up, take a look at what's in there. Maybe oh. something seems interesting. If it seems interesting, the Jazz are going to try to sell it, sell it to you, upsell you on it. So basically, who else is going to get moved? What are they getting back? How many more picks are they getting? Are are we going to see them get to OKC level number of picks for this next decade? We'll see. But the clearance rack is open. I feel like I haven't done the math. Are they? They've got to be close, you know, (laughs) because they got three first rounders for both Gobert and Mitchell. So that's six. And then I think they got two pick swaps. So they have, that's like 10 first round picks, basically. I don't that's know gotta why. Be close. I don't I feel like I remember quoting that this OKC had like 20 something in, for the rest of this decade. I mean, Utah's got to have something like that, too. Like if you include their own picks also. Yeah. Well, maybe we can find that out. Yeah. In the next few minutes here. Um <laughs> Moving on from there, the Nuggets. So this team is probably the one who should have been at the top of this list, but mm. we'll keep them here for now. But this team, I think this team made some good moves. Additions, KCP, Ish Smith, DeAndre Jordan, and Bruce Brown. Departures, Monty Morris, Will Barton, Jamichael Green, and Austin Rivers. They drafted Christian Braun at the 21st pick. Then resigning, well... They gave away one of the largest contracts in NBA history, Nikola Jokic, who prob- I'm going to joke around and say he has enough money to probably buy the entire country <laughs> of Serbia once he's done playing through this contract. Uh, Jokic is coming back to to the to the to the to the Hornets, and he likes what he sees, and he's going to stay there. And uh, wow, five year maximum deal for uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, starting lineup, Jamal Murray, KCP, Michael Porter Jr., or Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, or Cole Nicole Jokic at the center. I really like the KCP move that they made yeah. here. It's one of those very low-key, <laughs> doesn't feel very consequential, but I think he feels something for them that they really hadn't had since, I don't know, like the bubble when they had a healthy Gary Harris running around mm. for them in the playoffs, when they had Jeremy Grant, just a, a guy on the wing who plays his role, shoots yeah. the three, and is willing to just play play got good good defense on the be- on one of the best wing players on the other team. They just yeah. they haven't had that in the last few years, and I think getting KCP back gives them that it gives them a piece of that. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, they get KCP. Uh, Will Barton was the main piece of that trade going the other way, and. 
Barton is a great player. I've always liked Will Barton, but KCP is clearly the better three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. And when you have Jokic on your team, you're just begging to have three-point shooting around him because he's always going to find the guy that's open on the perimeter. KCP could easily be a 40% or 45% even three-point shooter this year, just spotting mm-hmm. up and letting Jokic run everything to him and not having to create any of his own offense. And on defense, it's going to be really helpful to have him there, especially when Jamal Murray comes back healthy. He can always guard you know, whichever backcourt player needs to be uh, re- like regarded as the biggest threat. Jamal Murray can take the lesser of the two. And, yeah, they just got a ton of size in that backcourt, man. Like, I mean, if Michael Porter Jr. is healthy, obviously, you know, that's a six foot ten guy. Aaron Gordon mm-hmm. at six foot nine, and Jokic obviously is the seven footer. I mean, that's that's size that rivals the Cleveland Cavaliers, and we've yeah. seen it. We've seen it work before. I mean, we just we haven't gotten the luxury of having a lot of healthy games out of this full starting lineup, and we're not even sure if Michael Porter Jr. is going to be ready for the start of the season. Still rehabbing that back injury that he sustained and has had for his whole career, really. It seems like Jamal Murray is going to be ready for training camp and should be ready for the start of the regular season, which is really exciting, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll see if that actually comes to fruition and see how he kind of goes through training camp and how much uh, participation in those practices he actually has. But he seems a lot farther along than Porter Jr. does at this point. But, man, they really need both of them if they want to contend for a title. Because we've already seen Murray and Jokic by themselves is not enough. Uh, they need that third piece, that that third option, and and Porter Jr. can be that. He's he's shown he can he can light it up. Yeah, they need that third piece to to get at that same level as the Clippers, who mm-hmm. George Kawhi, John Wall, and their other tag of dudes. The Warriors, obviously, the Warriors are coming short, ramped up, and Jordan Poole looks like a fringe All Star type player. Yeah, in the making. Um, the Nuggets just need that third piece. You'd hope Aaron Gordon would somehow, at this point, break through the door. But even last year, nope, <laughs> he's showed good signs, but he just doesn't seem like he's ever going to be that third piece on a on a no. good team. He's simply just a solid, above average starter, which he's is good defender. and may just yep, which may just be good enough if you can get Michael <laughs> Porter Jr. back healthy. So that's yeah. who you need. That's and you need uh, Jamal Murray back as well. Um, as far as trending, they got to be trending up, right? Like health, just just yeah. by getting bodies back, get bringing in a guy like KCP, not rolling with Fernando Camposo <laughs> and Austin Rivers <laughs> yes. in their lineups will, will essentially bring this team back. Jokic isn't going anywhere, so yeah. Yeah, and I think that's another underrated piece that they got is uh, Ish Smith, I think, is an upgrade at the backup point guard from Austin Rivers by a mile. I think he's slightly better than Monty Morris, too. And he can actually shoot, which is not something that they've had from a backup point guard in a long time. Like, ever since they got rid of Malik Beasley, they they haven't really had a backup guard player that can create their own shot and ish smith can do that um he's done it for a million teams at this point 
And so I, I like both the acquisitions they got from Washington. I think it fits their team a lot better than what they had before. Yeah, I agree. So storyline to follow here is, is Murray going to be playing at the start of the season? How game ready will he be? How long is getting back into the swing of things going to take him? Are we going to see Jamal Murray pretty instantly? Or is this going to take a full year to ramp up? We'll find out and see how that affects the Nuggets in terms of where they fall in the in the standings. And Porter, Michael Porter Jr., of course, it's always the back surgery. It it almost feels like it's not really a matter of it being going through surgery, fixing the one thing. It really feels like a very chronic thing that he's dealing with. And yeah. can he deal with it long enough or manage it to to really just hold together, hold himself together through this season? Because Gosh, this team seems like they could they could really be a, a huge player, uh, really a true contender um, here. Yeah, yeah, they really could. But yeah, I do worry that like Michael Porter Jr. might, you know, before his max contract extension is over, there's a non-zero chance that he just retires. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you can't, if you can't play basketball, it's like you gotta, you gotta move on and yeah, this is this is what why he was drafted so late in the first round is like he obviously has the talent to have been like a top three draft pick, but you're only getting him for half season at best. Yep. Exactly. So the other team moving on here is the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is probably the most interesting team out of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Really going after it. New ownership group really swinging for the fences. The additions is Rudy Gobert. Kyle Anderson, Austin Rivers, Brian Forbes, departures is Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Josh Akogi. Um, we've, I think we, we talked about this before. In that Rudy Gobert trade, it was interesting where they sort of traded their, they traded away elite front court defense from Rudy Gobert, <laughs> but they really traded away the pieces that made their backcourt so <laughs> dangerous and kind of helped them really yeah. win that, that, the bubble basketball games, losing Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, But, you know, when you get a chance to get a a former defensive player of the year, I guess you take it. Resigning is Carl Anthony Towns to a max contract. And the most interesting starting lineup, I think that everybody Mm -hmm. has question marks (laughs) and intrigued to seeing how it plays out is this one with D'Angelo Russell at the point, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns at the four and Rudy Gobert at the five. Yeah. And we've been told by the team, by the by the players over and over, oh yeah, Carl Anthony Towns is really a four. It's like, is he really a four? The dude's like six foot ten, two fifty. You're trying mm-hmm. to tell me this guy's a four? I don't think I've ever heard of a more prototypical center build than Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. So He's. It's gonna be the onus is on them to prove us wrong and that he really is a four. I still am of the belief that the spacing is gonna be absolutely atrocious, and that's really the X factor is for Rudy Gobert. Like, how does he fit with Towns, and is there enough spacing on the floor for Russell and Ant to play the games that they're used to playing? You know, mm-hmm. like. I, I think it was already enough to have one big guy, you know, down low, but now you have two big guys down low. Like all your drives are going to end up getting, you're going to end up hitting the double team. So I don't know. It, it doesn't 
make sense to me on paper, but maybe in practice it looks different. You know, with the Cavs last year, I thought it was silly that Evan Mobley and Jared Allen were playing together. Maybe it's similar to that, where it it can work out. Yeah, and I think the Cavaliers, what really brought the Cavaliers together was having a very sharp point guard in Ricky Rubio, and I think some of that rubbed off on Darius Garland a little bit. Mm. But then when Ricky Rubio really got injured, you know, that's when the I think that kind of had a reason to do with why the Cavs were sort of suffering a little bit there in the standings. Yeah. And the Timberwolves, I think I'd feel a lot better if I felt confident that D'Angelo Russell or Anthony Edwards were elite playmakers. But I just, it doesn't feel that way. Um, I think they're yeah, elite scorers. scorers. They're very yeah. elite scorers. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's a great shooter. Can find his space his space on the floor. Anthony Edwards is, of course, the, the elite athlete that he is. But I think one of these two guys have to has to really figure out how to take their playmaking ability to the next level and really think more as LeBron James-esque and less mm-hmm. Jordan and Kobe uh, to yeah. kind of make these pieces work because, yeah, Rudy Gobert is so dependent on his impact on the defensive end and on the offensive end he he need he he needs to play alongside a really good playmaker or else he sort of becomes uh, a very empty piece for you on the offensive end and just ends up getting in the way hence mm-hmm. why Utah Jazz struggled in the playoffs at times um and Carl Anthony Towns I mean I I I feel like what makes him great and special is the fact that he's playing against other centers <laughs> and that he yeah. can take these centers off the dribble or he can, you know, he can find his way to the three point line and, and splash buckets, put moving him to the four and getting him matched up against fours out away from the, a little slightly further away from the basket. I feel like that's going to impact his offensive game, his offensive game and impact what makes him special. Mm-hmm. So I, I do, I have little doubts there. I have doubts there as well as how that's going to fit. Yeah, like he's going to have to change it to where he's not using his his speed against the other five more. He's using his power against the other four. Mm-hmm. Like that, he has to shift from a speed aspect to a power aspect because he's going to outsize any four out there outside right. of like Evan Mobley, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I get, yeah, that's only like one team. So he's going to have to just be more powerful than than the other guy, which is not really his game. So no. maybe that's just something he's been, you know, keeping in the back pocket and just waiting to bust out now. But I've never seen it. And so it makes me skeptical. But all, all that being said, when you make a superstar trade like this, the team is trending up. And mm-hmm. you, you have to think that they're going to be a shoe in for the playoffs at least because Rudy Gobert is the ultimate regular season player. You have Rudy Gobert on your regular season team, you're going to get a lot of wins. And so I think for, for me, I think this team actually has a ceiling to be the top three seed in the West. Ooh. Which is like crazy when you consider all the competition up there. But Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert makes that much of an impact in the regular season that I think that they can get there. But, you know, they're also just as likely to fall into the play-in because there is a lot of parity up there. But I think yep. that they have the chance to be top three, but that doesn't mean I think they're going to make a deep playoff run. I still think they're a second-round team. 
Yeah, I, I think I agree with the second round. I don't know if I'll quite put them top three. I th- I think I have them. I'll have have them fourth or fifth. So they're definitely like in the second tier. I wouldn't put them at first tier. But you are right. Like mm-hmm. it's trending up. Thirteenth in the league last year in defensive rating. You add Gobert, that brings you up at least a few rankings. Percent, oh, yeah. And uh, total rebounds as a team, sixteen, so middle of the pack. You jump up a few spots with Rudy Gobert. Field goal percentage, twenty second. You jump up a few spots with Rudy Gobert. You got a you got a seven footer closer to the basket who, who loves to dunk the ball. That's got to bring you up. So yeah, there are spaces where where they improve, and the Rudy Gobert trade doesn't necessarily uh, minimize anything. So yeah, I agree. They're trending up. It's hard to argue against that. I I just am still skeptical about the fit between the two. So I still say like fourth or fifth seed uh, finish for this team. Yeah, and I don't blame you for that. And going back to your point on someone needs to be the facilitator for this team, it's going to have to be D'Angelo Russell. Mm -hmm. It just has to because it's not going to be – Carl Anthony Towns is not going to become Jokic. Jaden McDaniels is not good (laughs) enough to be that guy. D'Angelo Russell is going to have to accept that he's the third best scorer on this team and he needs to get the ball to Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. Like, yep. he, that, and that's going to be tough because we know D'Lo has got a little bit of an ego about him. And we know he can score well. But, like you said, like this team needs a guy that can get you eight, ten assists a game. And it's not going to be anyone else, but Ru- Russell's the only one capable of that. Yeah, it's the best ball handler. Uh, if it feels naturally that that's the role he has to play. Anthony Edwards is the elite athlete closer. Towns is a scorer and Rudy Gobert has to do something offensively. And the only way you can find <laughs> he doesn't him have to do a lot, just lob it to him, but he can't be useless. He can't be out there useless. <laughs> yeah. You can't have guys right. sacking off Gobert to double team towns in the post. hundred like, percent. Yeah. He's got to be somehow a weapon. And the only way to do that is with a great, uh, playmaker like that's just right. that's just how it's gonna be and DeAndre Russell I think has to fill that that role you're, you're for sure right on that mm-hmm. yeah and uh, then the other thing to follow for this team is this the year that Anthony Edwards becomes a superstar in the league does he crack that top 15 become a face of the league it's hard to say I mean he's made the right step so far in my mind He's he's definitely improved over the last of our last year versus his rookie year. Is this the year that he just it just all just makes sense to him that it all just comes together? Top fifteen kind of seems realistic to me. Um, it does, right? Top fifteen seems real. <laughs> top ten, I still have a lot of question marks, but yeah, top fifteen seems realistic. I think as a yeah. as I mean, a you're high end, him in like the Paul George category, the Jimmy Butler category. Like, yeah. That's that's the type of player as then that's man, if he can get to that, that's huge. Yeah, I I mean we'd have to see how some of these guys come out out of the gates, but it feels possible. It feels like some there's some dudes that are due for a bit of a regression and an Anthony Towns to slide in there in terms of ranking individual rankings. Mm-hmm. I could see him falling top fifteen, yeah. Yeah, average twenty seven points a game maybe. I could Yeah, see I mean it. if you get into top fifteen territory and then you somehow play your way close to top ten, 
in the playoffs. That's yeah. that's the realm right there of the recipe we've, we've of seen, like he can he can step it up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So who gets far in the playoffs? Who makes it to the conference finals and beyond? It's the elite teams that are at least top five in offensive and defensive rating, and they have that elite player. Yeah. Uh, and for the Timberwolves, the rest is all signs point that Anthony Edwards should be that guy. And if he does it, then then they they have a ch- shot at going beyond the second round. If that doesn't yeah. happen, then they're not go- they're not moving further yep. than that. It's all on his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, and D'Angelo Russell's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got to get him the ball. <laughs> yeah, it's an intriguing team for sure. Um, of regular here, the Portland Trailblazers uh, additions. Jeremy Grant, Gary Payton, two departures. Sean, you wrote here, notably, nobody important. <laughs> nobody important. <laughs> Drafted Shandon Sharp with the seventh pick in the draft. They re-signed Damian Leonard to another extension. They have, they brought back Amphrey Simmons and Nurkic. They gave Nurkic a contract back, four-year, $70 millions, uh, for an a projected starting lineup of Damian, Amphrey Simmons, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, and Joseph Nurkic um the Jeremy Grant pickup was a big move I like it but it overall just feels like it's not enough for this roster <laughs> it, it never is it yeah. never is and we always talk every offseason we talk about the Blazers getting slightly better than they were the year before this happened. This I think this has happened for like the last three years that we've we've yep. talked about the Blazers. Like oh, like last year they got Norman Powell. Like that that's like getting them slightly better. The year before that, oh, they got Robert Covington. Oh, that's like <laughs> slightly better than they had before. Now they get Jeremy Grant, another guy that makes them slightly better than they were before. And it's just never enough to push them up the standings because it's all slight moves. And the teams around them are making big moves. I mean, we just mm-hmm. talked about a huge move the Timberwolves made to get a big-time player. And the Blazers have never committed to that type of player to pair with Damian Lillard, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate. But it will make for decent basketball when this team <laughs> is fully healthy. I mean, Dame, great. And Fernie Simons, he had a great year. He should be a great shooting guard for this team. And then you have Josh Hart. I mean, Josh Hart's always been solid, right? Just rock yep. solid. He's a little undersized, which is why I think they still might roll with Nasir Little at the small forward, depending on how healthy he looks. Um, he showed some good flashes of being a good role player last year. Then you obviously got Jeremy Grant and Yusuf Nurkic, who are both great players in their own right. Nothing against either of those guys, except for Nurkic can't stay healthy, and Jeremy Grant's just not that great of a scorer as he thought he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, ultimately, the X factor here is going to be Inferni Simons. Because now, he's being called on to be the CJ McCollum replacement. He needs to do that, while the rest of the team around him got slightly better, and the Blazers should have a pretty solid season. But, this is a guy that he averaged 17.3 points a game last year, which is good. But he was the guy last year. Yeah. He had all the usage. There was nobody else f- he was fighting to get shots. He got anything he wanted. Now he has to be the second option behind Damian Lillard. And so can he continue to improve on those points per game? Can he get up to 20 points per game as the second option? 
Maybe Dame helps that a little bit because, you know, people are going to be focusing more on Damian Lillard on offense, so maybe that opens up some more looks for you. But you're going to have to be more efficient with the looks you get because you're not going to be able to get as many shots up as you did last year. Yeah, and teams know he's coming. Before he was right. a surprise, last year was a surprise. <laughs> now they know he's he's the Blazers' second or third option every time down the floor. And immediately maybe becomes the first option depending on how Grant, I mean, depending how well lineups shake out, maybe Grant's on the bench sometimes and you got Anthony Simmons commanding the floor. But yep. Dame, everybody knows Dame. Their team defenses are built around Dame. But oh, now yeah. that teams know <laughs> that Anthony Simmons, what's how's he going to play? How's he going to react to that? To team defenses really focusing on him is also a big uh, question mark there too. But I think for me, also for the Trailblazers, I think as an X factor, I'm going to throw this out there. Okay. This was this was the worst defensive team in the league last yeah. year. <laughs> I mean, and, it was like one of the worst teams, period. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was the worst in, from a, for, as far as a defensive rating perspective. And they didn't do anything to try to make up for that. <laughs> I mean, Nurkic is a good defender. Yeah. And Jeremy Grant's a good defender. Jeremy Grant's okay. Yep. He's pretty good. So, He's long. Yeah, I I think that they they should they should be fine. They will be probably still bottom half, but mm-hmm. they won't be last. Yeah, not as long as those guys are healthy. Got to get themselves at least almost to the middle of the pack. <laughs> get themselves to the middle of the pack, and then maybe and then maybe this team has a chance at. At getting home court advantage in the play-in tournament, eighth or eighth or seventh seed. Yeah, like um, that is the ceiling for this team. We're, we're saying like seventh seed. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yes, yeah. the def- I can't get over the defensive rating thing. I'm not really seeing anything stand out here. <laughs> oh, come on, Simmons, man! I they think- had guys like Trendon <laughs> Watford starting for them. Like, of course they're going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just bad. I mean. I'm just not really seeing anything that stands out as I mean Jeremy Grant, yeah, I've, I guess we talked about Gary him. Gary Payton the second, there are Payton the second. He's that, a that, good I, defender. That was a big piece of bringing him on is to really load yeah. up on the backcourt uh defense. I mean, he was a big piece of for the Warriors. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just not feeling strong strong about this <laughs> about this squad from that. Oh um, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not trying to convince you that they're going to like have a shot at the title or anything. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I think that they will be, like, middle of the pack, like, pretty good. Like you said, probably seven seed. I think they're built for the regular season, for sure. Like, this team is, like, Dame's always been a good regular season player. Mm-hmm. And they'll have, a like, 45 wins, I think. I think they'll get 45 wins. Yeah. I really just don't, now that I'm really breaking down these, looking at these contracts broken out, I'm not a fan of the direction this franchise is moving <laughs> well, in. You got to- <laughs> I mean, the direction is just to be like slightly good, you know. Yeah, like that's just, they're not they're not going to compete for a title, which is yeah. really sad for Dame. You know, you got to feel for him. Except you don't really have to feel that bad when he's going to be making sixty three million dollars when he's thirty six years old. Yeah, you have so much money committed to this core here of Damian Simmons and Nurkic for the next four years. The grant contract won't last that long, but at some point you might have to just bring him back because you can't bring anybody else. No. Um, <laughs> so the pieces yeah. here for this team, I mean, you got Sheldon Sharp. I mean, maybe this kid develops into something 
uh, good. Huge home run hit type of pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he played like what three minutes in in the uh, in the Vegas league, and yep, the summer league. Then he hurt himself again in the summer mm-hmm. league. So like, I don't have a lot of hope for this kid. I think he's just gonna be like one of those flashes in the pan of like, oh, he could have been good, but he just never, never got healthy. You know, never is able to get meaningful playing time. Yeah, yeah and if know. he does, if he does develop, I he doesn't seem like it's going to take him a year or two. See, he seems like he'll, he'll need the the full rookie contract timeline to develop himself into a solid right. NBA player. And by that time, like, you're well past the Damian Leonard timeline. Yeah, and I just don't see where the minutes come for this kid. Like, you got Damon Simons, and then you have Gary Payton the second and Josh Hart. So he's the third string guy. You know, mm-hmm. that's good for five to ten minutes a game. Yeah. Like, good luck carving a rollout. Yep. Storyline to follow as well is there is still the question of Damien's health. Like, he's been pretty solid at most of his career, but these last few years, he's really gotten beat up with the injuries, especially that abdominal surgery that he had. Um, so there is a question mark of like how he's going to look like now that he's coming back from that. And is he, is he going to come back for another few years of solid basketball? Or, I mean, is this a guy that's kind of taken a lot of hits now throughout his career? I mean, he's put together some incredible performances and I don't know how much more this guy's got left in the tank. He's taking, (laughs) he's, he's, he's a little, he's a small guy too, six foot two point guard. Who's in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, year, you could argue out. that, you know, taking most of last year off gave him time to rest up, get the rest of his body back in good condition, as mm-hmm. well as his abdomens, obviously. And maybe he, he comes back a little refreshed, you know? Like, maybe gave him a little extra in the tank. <laughs> Recharge the batteries. Yeah, yeah. I, I He's not that old yet. What is he, 32? 32. Yeah, yep, like 32. he's he's got he's got plenty of good years in him left, I think. Yeah, I definitely want, will miss seeing Damian Leonard. I, I this guy is great to see, especially in the playoff time. Oh yeah. Uh, so pivoting away from the Blazers, we got to talk about the OKC Thunder. <laughs> we have uh, additions, none departures, none <laughs> drafts. So got the plethora yep. of lists. Chet Holmgren, the the big man. Dude's been hyped since he was 16 years old, and he's finally entering the NBA, but we won't see him this year. But the second pick, the Thunder pick him up. Uh, Usman Dang with the number, with the 11th pick. Jalen Williams with the 12th pick. And Jalen Williams with the 34th pick. Um, this is quite quite a, a, a few pieces to bring through the draft, and... It's it's exciting to think about, but it's also a matter of like, well, we have to wait to see how it turns out, especially with Chep Holmgren being injured. Like, yeah, I, I I've been following this kid basically because he's been he's how he's basically not? grown up in the social media <laughs> era where like his yeah. highlights have been post have been posted since he was in early high school. So I've been excited to see him in 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 the NBA, and it's unfortunate his injury. Yeah, I mean, it's what we feared. We talked about it last podcast, too. It's like, he's just not big enough to play mm-hmm. in the NBA yet. Like, his his frame is just way too lanky. Not enough muscle, not enough, not enough thickness to go up against guys like LeBron James. 
Yeah. So, yeah, that's it's it's really unfortunate. You know, he clearly has a lot of skill, and he'd be really fun to watch on the court. And you were hoping that this was finally going to be the year we see OKC not obviously tank for the entire year and maybe actually try to win a few games. Mm-hmm. We'll have to wait at least another year more, um, which is unfortunate. But, I mean, they still have some other good pieces. Like Usman Jang, he's supposed to be pretty solid. There's a lot of hype around this kid, Jalen Williams, who they got at 12, which they got two Jalen Williams, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this guy they got at number 12, um, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, a lot of hype around this kid. And now that Holmgren's hurt, he'll have lots of opportunity to prove himself because now you slot him into that starting lineup, uh, which right now is looking like Shea, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, aforementioned Jalen Williams, and for some reason Derek Favors is still on this team. So they'll probably start him because why the hell not? <laughs> um, yeah. Can't imagine he's going to be sticking around for much longer, but he'll be there for at least the start of the season, and then maybe they'll they'll throw in, I don't know, like a – Maybe they'll throw in Usman Dang at center, uh, or, or maybe they'll throw in uh, Pokashevsky in there and give him a, one last shot at NBA relevance. Um, but I think the X factor for me out of all those guys, and also before we go to that, shout out to Lou Dort for getting his bag again. <laughs> Love it. I'm so happy for the guy. Really earned it the hard way. Yeah. I I, I definitely thought he was a big trade candidate for – uh, for uh, uh, for the OKC, but just like out of the NBA, I thought they'd definitely be a trade, a bidding wars for him to trade, yeah, to trade for last year. And OKC, I thought I did not think OKC would actually open up the pocketbook and resign him, but but they did. And man, this guy went from yeah. making pennies, I guess, relative to NBA money and guarding James Harden to being a <laughs> solid starter. And getting yeah. the bag, so shout yeah, he out to earned this, it, man. man. Like it wasn't just defense; like he scored pretty well last year. I think he averaged yeah. like, I mean, he got hurt obviously, but he was averaging like seventeen points a game for a while. And I was like, yep. wow, like what the heck? Like how did Lou Dort all of a sudden become like an offensive player too? Um, <laughs> Above average three point shooter. Yeah, granted, <laughs> when you're playing with absolute garbage, <laughs> you get all the good looks. Mm-hmm. But I mean. The that te- they have good players, they're just not good enough. And you're hoping with Holmgren that would have been you know that thing that finally gets them to start competing. But for now, the X factor is gonna be Josh Giddy, in my opinion. I mean, he had a great rookie year. You know it from having him in fantasy. I know it from regretting dropping him in fantasy. <laughs> Can he continue to ascend to be that All Star alongside Shea? Because at this point, like Shea's the only one that's made an all-star team on this on this whole squad. <laughs> Josh Giddy is the, the highest potential to hit that with him. And we're gonna yeah. have to see what the development looks like there. Um these guys really didn't even get to play that many games together last year. So I really want to see these two play alongside each other, see if this can be a winning backcourt duo. Cause yeah, right now there's just still a lot of question marks. Yeah. I like Josh Giddy. I, I like his game. I think he has a chance to be an all-star. Honestly, the person I still have question marks a little bit around is is actually Shea. Um, mm, really? Talking about, talking about Colin Sexton, talking about Donovan Mitchell. I, I think Shea, Shea should be in that conversation. And I think he needs, he needs to have a – like 56 games last year, 35 games a year before that. 
I think my man needs to figure out how to get stay on the floor and and put together some consistent performances because I'm starting I'm starting to have some di- some doubts of whether Shea is actually no okay deserving well, of this look, con- <laughs> look at it this way why was Shea missing all those games was he really hurt or were they pretending those, those he was questions. hurt that is that I think that has some merit to it yeah. And maybe it is just a result of a bad team, but 24 points a game, pretty solid, 30% shooting from, from three-point line, 45% shooting from the field. Yeah. Solid numbers. Um, but if my man wants to be part of the Donovan Mitchell conversation, be up there with the John Morants of the world, these up-and-coming point guards, uh, I think th- he's got to step up his game a little bit. I need to see this guy step up his game a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to stick with the narrative that they're not giving him the opportunity to do what he can do. Like, they're just all the tanking, man. You you know, it's just, it's blatant. It's, it's apparent that they're not trying to win. I think it's very apparent that they held Shea out when they didn't have to over the last two seasons. So in my mind, it's more about how much patience does he have with all these losing seasons where he could be proving himself is like, I mean, I know he has the max extension, so like he doesn't have to worry about the money aspect of it, but like these are his prime years we're getting into, and I think mm-hmm. he wants to start competing. He doesn't yeah. want to tank for another two years just to collect more draft, like high draft picks, and just hope that these dart throws actually end up turning out to be players he can play with. Like he wants yep. to actually play basketball. Like he got a taste of it playing with Chris Paul. Is when that we traded him when the Clippers traded him over, and they they made the playoffs. OKC did, and almost uh, took it to the Rockets. James Harden mm-hmm. and took him to seven games in the first round. You got a taste for what real basketball is like, and then the next three years is just nothing, and that's not on him. That's what I'm saying. It's like I I feel like at some point he's got to show up and try to let's make some All Star teams like. How you can know, he make an all-star 24. team when there's there's nothing around him? He can't win any games by himself. <laughs> Luka Doncic I, couldn't bring this team to the playoffs. There, there's got to be something go, going on. I just, I've, I, I, I feel like I've been hyped on Shea for for a few years now, and I feel like it hasn't been satisfactory. Like Shea I just, is great man. He not you. You just whenever this team decides to compete, Shea will be an all-star. Okay. But he I'll can't be an all-star if the team's winning 10 games. Yeah. Because Shea feels right now like a trending down player to me. Like, No, no way. No way. <laughs> he, it's, he, it's a consequence of, of the tanking. Yeah. And I, I, need, I need to see this guy step up and make some all-star teams. But in regards of getting tired of losing, I mean, maybe, but... Dude's dude is locked down until 2026 on this OKC team. So, yeah, talk about tough contract. I mean, a lot of money, 30 million, and up to 40 million in 2026. So, there's a lot of money for this dude to still collect. Um, but I want to I want to see some Shea. I I, I want to see this be the year where Shea plays 60 at least 60 games and throws down 25, 26 points a game. We'll just have to see if they let him, man. I swear, if we see another, like, out with plantar fasciitis, I'm going to call BS. You know? <laughs> like, 
if he misses like the whole last quarter of the season because they've won too many games and they're not the absolute worst team in the league again, you know, Mm -hmm. because we've seen this team get off to some decent starts in the past. Like they've started 500 for like the first 20 games. And then it's like the narrative that they're just like told to lose like the rest of the games. And Mm -hmm. it's just super blatant. And I don't think Shea wants to do it, but that's, they don't give him the opportunity to succeed. Yeah. Because they're intentionally trying to lose. So this team finished dead last in field goal percentage, three point percentage, and total two points per as a team. Team point. I guess it's no surprise. Yeah. This is this well, was they yeah, were yeah because you're pl- you're you're playing all your garbage players a bunch of minutes. Like what other team would play Theo Maladon <laughs> twenty five minutes a game? What other team would play? Well, who else am I? Th- I'm trying like uh, Vic Krejci. You know, <laughs> like who the heck is that? Like or uh, Isaiah Isaiah Roby, what's his name? Isaiah, Isaiah Roby or like Darius Baisley would not get as many opportunities as he's had on any the, other team. The South Bay Lakers and the uh, <laughs> what are the their G League affiliate teams? <laughs> the G League Ignite. <laughs> yeah, G League Ignite. Exactly. Yeah. I do want to bring this up. OKC last year, I think one of the things we said was we were doubting whether the rebuilding process was actually looking up for OKC. When we looked at their roster, it seemed like there were a lot of players that we not only had question marks, but we were Mm -hmm. leaning towards the side that these (laughs) players were not going to end up being solid, even solid starters in the league. Yeah. Do you still feel that way looking through this roster today, Sean, or do you feel (laughs) a bit raw better for this team? Uh, No, I I feel, no. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Jury's out on, on this current draft class. But yeah, like Josh Giddy, been very good. Other than that, nothing. Like Pokashevsky, awful. Baisley, awful. Who else? Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome, awful. I guess you could argue that like Aaron Wiggins and Trey Mann have been like fine, but like mm-hmm. who cares really? You know, like they didn't end up being nothing. You know, they're at least like okay players, but that's not really gonna get you anywhere. Um, yeah yeah no yeah it's this is the the problem i have with like tanking for draft picks like especially if you already had like the good player it's like you're just hoping these dart throws hit but you already had the hit on the team and yeah there's just so low odds that the guy that you drafted is gonna be the one that pans out and becomes like the perennial all-star right yeah it's more likely that the ceiling for a lot of these draft picks you collect is just starter at best. Yeah, starter, uh, average start. role player, you know, like, and, and I get it. It's like you trade the star that you have now because he doesn't fit the timeline of, oh, we don't think we're going to win in the next four years, so we'll try to find another one like him four years from now. I get that. But I would rather have players than draft picks like mm-hmm. like i think utah did it right by getting colin sexton for mitchell i don't think yep. they did it right when they traded go bear away for like jared vanderbilt <laughs> you know like you get draft picks it's like what like what are those even going to turn out to be like i don't think they're going to be anything good yeah that would be pretty funny if the timberwolves swapped go bear for d'angelo russell 
And then D'Angelo Russell finds himself in the same spot he did on the Warriors, where oh, yeah. <laughs> there's there's better guards on the same roster, a better guard on the same roster with him, and then he ends up getting swapped again for something. Oh man, something else. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be rough. Yeah, that would be rough. But I I agree with you. The whole draft versus star versus players, like it's it's such a it, it, it it's a it's tough because you. You can't win in the NBA without that top five, top ten player. It's hard yep. to get him if you don't draft him. But then it's so hard to draft him. <laughs> and then right. is it worth trading away the top fifteen, top twenty-five player you already have for a slim chance at one day getting that top five, top ten? That dude who could be a top five, top ten yep. player in the league. Yeah, it's and I guess a, the other argument is that it's hard for the small market team to land the big name free agent. Mm-hmm. So you can't get that top five player by any other means except for the draft. And so maybe that, that is their only option, honestly. Maybe, maybe that's what it really boils down to, but it doesn't make it any less sad, you know, watching <laughs> them get all of these draft picks and, you know, maybe one pans out. You know, so far, Josh Giddy has panned out and everything else has just kind of been nothing relevant. Yeah. Yeah, Darius Baisley had himself like <laughs> plenty of opportunities last year. Yeah. Really didn't capitalize. Alex Bolshevsky was playing heavy minutes towards the end, too. Terrible. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Cool, then. Thunder, what do you think? Trending even, trending down, trending up? Uh, I would say even. They're just (laughs) tanking again. (laughs) Yeah, they finished 29th in the league last year, so trending down would only mean that they're moving towards the absolute worst team in the league spot. Which I don't think they technically should be. They still have Shea. They still have Josh Giddy. So I, I, I'll, I'll align. I'll agree with you, Sean. Trending even. 29th, yep. 28th worst team in the league. <laughs> Seems fair. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Final thoughts to close off the podcast. Euro basketball is still on. We got the final. It's Spain versus France. Spain bringing on the big duo of Willie Hernan <laughs> Gomez and Hancho Hernan Gomez. Against Gobert, Maladon, Wagner, Fonier, and Cabaret. Who do you got winning this game, Sean? Oh, Are you tuning in? <laughs> do you care? Are you buying a French or Spain jersey anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to buy both of them and weave them together. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will go with Spain for the chemistry and the uh, team experience. You know, Rudy Fernandez, he's seen it all. Like, <laughs> that basketball IQ is through the roof. Yep. I don't know who I'm going with. I'll go with France. I, I like Gobert seems to be on a hot streak. He's got the bleached hair. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to put Frank Nilakina in here. He's also NBA oh, player. That's fine. The- I don't think you need to include him. <laughs> France Wagner looks good. He's having himself a he hell does. of a, a summer. I'm gonna take France for this one. They've looked like the the, the the hot team throughout this tournament. So I'm gonna take them. All right. May the better man win, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for this podcast. Um, Next week, we'll break down another division. Where should we go next next week, Sean? Should we go out east somewhere? Yeah, I think we should go back east, you know, keep keep up with the alternating between the two. Um, do you have a preference at all of of which one we go with? I I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't mind going towards, uh, which division Central is that division. with? Is that, is that with my... Okay. Yeah, we could also... I was thinking like Miami and Atlanta, but... Um, yeah, we can do Central Division. 
with the Bucks, the Bulls, the Cavs. Cavs will be really interesting to talk about. Uh, Pacers and Pistons. Let's do that. Yeah. Central Division. We got some trending up, and we also got some teams that are trending down. Perfect balance. Let's do, let's do Central Division next week. Sounds great to me. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>